Hello, and welcome to my little digital corner of the digital world. Prepare today to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know. I am Jeremy Griffin, and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable, because here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. All right. Before we get started, today's podcast is brought to you by my wife, who left the house and took the nine-year-old so I could have the kitchen table all to myself, my dog, Hurley, and my guest today, Randy Renner. Hey, Jeremy. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, man? Good. Good. <laughs> Thanks for uh, joining us today on Conversations. Um, for those of... Well, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about you, and then I'm going to let you talk, because it's my show. So. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you do that. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, Randy and I got to, uh, we met each other working at, uh, clear channel radio. That was still called that then. Um, and, uh, I met you at a baseball game, I think for the first time at, uh, an Oklahoma city Dodger game, Red Hawks at the time. Oh, that's a, yes, that's right. Red Hawks. All these name changes. Red Hawks. Yeah. Um, we both, uh, I don't remember, I guess Tom Travis had said something about you and working with the thunder. And I had some ideas about, you know, doing some cool stuff and. I said, hey, do you want to do some cool stuff? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it was something that we had talked about doing before with some Thunder stuff. And and I was already doing a, a little bit. But, you know, we were a lot of people were involved in several different things. And I just, you know, I, there was no one really to kind of help out with some things. And when you approached me about some of your ideas and I was like, wow, you know, this is something that I really have been needing, you know, someone to just help me out with some things and bounce some ideas around. And that's kind of how that got going. Yeah. And it was fun. We built, sure was. We covered, uh, covered the Oklahoma City Thunder for, well, you, you covered them from the very beginning, but we worked together in this capacity. We ended up building InsideThunder.com and Getting a whole crew of people together doing some fun stuff. Yep, those were those were great days. They were. And uh, you know, we started out. I remember one of the thing, one of the ideas that we had was, you know, in those days, you only got little snippets of of what people were saying, whether it was uh, Coach Scotty Brooks at at that time or any of the players. You would get twenty or thirty seconds right. on the news or the sportscast, something like that. And we thought, you know, wouldn't it be great to rather than just this little snippet or that snippet to have the entire interview so people can listen to the whole thing. Right. And usually, you know, it's not like they go, you know, forever. I mean, usually it's only five to 10 minutes uh, anyway. And so it's not, you know, having to invest a whole lot of time, but you at least get the full context right. of what's being said the question that's being asked and the answer because you know as we all know when you just hear a little snippet right. it can easily be taken out of context or mm-hmm. misunderstood and so when you have the whole thing in there you get a much better idea and feel for what people are really trying to say yeah you know the funny thing for me is and you know this about me, but you know, I go into circumstances and I'm interested. I'm genuinely interested in learning about the circumstance. And so I remember the first time I was at, I think it was a thunder practice. I, cause all I ever saw was snippets, you right. know? And so I go to thunder practice and I'm thinking, why is there an edit at all? I mean, this is four minute, you know, worth of content. Like who, 
who cares? <laughs> you know, and so, and that's really where it came from. I thought, you know, as a fan myself, um, I want to know everything they're saying and why not? And it's not like we are creating this content for any kind of restricted space. It wasn't for radio or for television. So we didn't have to fit within time frames, Right. And, and that's what, you know, one of the things, you know, when you're watching something on television, I mean, you know, the entire sports cast is usually only three minutes exactly. on TV. And so naturally you're going to only be able to have a 20 seconds here or 30 there or something like that. But with what we were doing, something that was going to be on the internet, I mean, you know, it's, you can do whatever. Right, right. So, yeah, it was fun. And and the other cool thing we got to do is we started, I remember going to the, the press day, um, media day, I guess we call it, and <laughs> sitting on the front row with an iPhone and started, you know, everybody in the room had good stuff and we had a phone and some workarounds. But, man, <laughs> that was, it was fun for me because, you know, I like to do, I like to create things out of using stuff that nobody, you know, it's like that's not intended for that. I'm like, well, yeah, but it works, right? You know, so got to be innovative, and uh, and it was good. After I guess what three seasons, I think we uh, was my involvement, and uh, and then I guess I got bored, and moved on. <laughs> yeah, and we we tried to uh, to move forward as best we could with without you, and it was difficult at <laughs> best. Uh, well, you know, it's. Things, things are designed for a season, I suppose. <laughs> Sometimes they are. So, um, so yeah, man, it was good. I'm excited that we get to do what we're doing now together, get into some conversations. Yeah, and, you know, and that's something else that it kind of along the lines of what we were talking about with the Thunder. You know, sometimes you only hear a, a, a little bit of an interview that's fairly brief or that sort of thing, but to actually sit down and, and actually have a conversation a, a, about things is... I think a little more enlightening mm-hmm. and where you can actually, you know, learn something as you go along rather than just hear five minutes of right, something. Right. And, th- and I think too, in this, in this platform, uh, for those of you who haven't picked up on it, we are sitting in my kitchen. Well, actually the little nook just to the side of my kitchen yes. <laughs> at a picnic table with a couple microphones because the studio's not finished yet, but, um, there's nobody here, but the dog. And, and he's taking a nap. He I is. Think, yeah. He is. He's he's chewing on his pink little blanket over there. <laughs> it's not a little dog, by the way. This is a ninety-pound Doberman, but he's he's gentle as a kitten. Yeah, he's. Uh, you know, when I you know you first see him, you're like, uh oh, <laughs> and then it's like, oh no, he's pretty chill. Yeah, he's but, a chill dog. Yeah. Up until he doesn't have to be, which is you know, I I can say like this is the perfect dog for me. He's a working dog. I feel like having just a pet for pet's sake is not really my kind of thing. The rest of my family's good with it, so it wouldn't matter. But, um, but he's a working dog, man. I, I, it's it's an amazing thing. There, you know, you you get uh, your Second Amendment. You have guns in your house, your family, and I always tell people, at least for the moment. And well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, for the foreseeable future, <laughs> let's hope one way or the other. Um, you know, but the thing is, I always tell people having the Doberman gives me time to choose which weapon I need to use. There you go. Yes, <laughs> he can keep them occupied while you exactly. decide. Exactly. Yes. Um, you know. Anyway, so but yeah, we're just sitting here in my kitchen having a conversation, and I think the value is, uh, you know, even the idea behind this podcast is how many times I've gone to coffee with friends, and I am truly blessed to just have a ton of folks in my life where I can just go to coffee and have a good conversation. And, and they'll always say something to me, Randy, not just one thing. They'll always say 
a bunch of things that I think, man, I wish everybody could hear what was just said. It was is good. It's enlightening about life, living life, you know? And so thus the Conversations podcast is born in an effort to create that. So here we are having that conversation, and I'm excited about it. But uh, I am going to go. Uh, that was our timer for me to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that wasn't. Sorry. Um, no, but I want to dive into the next segment. And I like to call this segment, um, Unt, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> oh, Dr. Floyd. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to eventually create a, a, a button for that, and we'll have a nice little musical interlude. And Unt, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> Yes, and you can just imagine, you know, somebody laying down on the couch and exactly. opening up to how badly things went wrong. Right. So I, if I remember correctly, you've told me, you told me before that you were uh, raised in Warica. Yes, for the most part. For the most part. Uh, born in Wichita Falls, Texas, and then uh, we lived in a couple places before Warica. And uh, we moved there when I was uh, probably four and a half or so. And uh, my father worked for the uh, Rock Island Railroad. Cool. And uh, my mom, uh, for a a little while, was just a housewife and mom. And and then she worked for the the hospital in uh, in Warica and then later uh, for an insurance agency in Warica. How about that? And it was, I grew up in the, uh, in the 60s, and it was mm. uh, an interesting time. At times, it was a very scary time yeah. uh, to be a kid, and other times, it was absolutely a great time to be a kid. You know, for people who did not grow up in the 60s, especially when I was, I was fairly little, you know, there was the, the Cuban Missile Crisis and the assassination of uh, President Kennedy and the assassination of Martin Luther King and the assassination of Bobby Kennedy and mm-hmm. uh, riots in, in various cities. And you also had the Vietnam War uh, cranking up and nuclear threats from the Russians and who knows what the Chinese were up to. And that Sounds sort of like thing. 2020. I know, it kind of does, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, and, uh, and at other times, though, it was wonderful. Yeah. Because as a kid, and I was fortunate, in the neighborhood where we lived, there were lots of other kids. And uh, there was no, you know, when I talked to my kids, you know, I call them kids, you know, one's 24 and the other one's 20. But, you know, they've grown up in the digital age. Mm-hmm. And uh, back when I was a kid, uh, you didn't have phones where you could watch TV shows and <laughs> right. movies on. And uh, the only phone that you had in your house was generally the one that was in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And maybe you had a second line. Did you have one of those head. crazy long cords so that sure. you could go, it, that turned into a, yes. a noose at times? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, we had we had a phone in the in the kitchen and, you know, it would ring and then you would kind of walk around if mom or dad, you know, were on the phone. They were trying to do other things too, right. like maybe cook dinner or wash the dishes or try and figure out what me and my little brother were up to. And so, yes, you know, you were doing that. And I remember walking through, you know, the, the houses that had somewhat of an open floor plan, not really open, but they had, you, you have to kind of go in a, 
right. a pathway where you you as a kid you'd have to watch out if mom was on the phone because you could clothesline you could yourself. Get, yes, <laughs> running that, through that, the house. That happened. That happened at, at times. And uh, you know, one of the things, and it's also hard for people who never uh, lived with this before. You know, because now everybody's got cable TV and right. all this kind of stuff. Well, that hadn't been invented. And so, and we lived in a small town. There were two television stations in Wichita Falls, which Texas, which was to the southwest of us. And then there was one station in Lawton, which was to the northwest of us. And if we were watching the CBS, either something on CBS or NBC, we had to point, we had a, an aerial, an antenna outside the house, right. and it had to be pointed toward Wichita Falls. And then if we wanted to switch and watch something on the ABC station, which was in Lawton, and it still is, it's CBS and ABC in Wichita Falls and ABC in Lawton, somebody would have to go outside, and usually it would be Dad, and we'd open one of the windows, and Dad <laughs> would start turning the aerial, and we'd go, okay, right there, <laughs> right. no, no, back, well, okay, we're good. Exactly. And he would say they would come back in the house. Right. And, uh, and of course, you know, none of that, you know, is around. And they can't believe that, well, you know, we only had three Did aluminum foil stations. actually ever help? Well, sometimes, you know, it, it uh, not where we were, but I had an aunt and uncle who lived in Wichita Falls. And they did not have an aerial outside the house. Just the rabbit ears? They had the rabbit ears on their television. And they would have the aluminum foil. And they seemed to think it helped. I yeah. don't know scientifically. I have no <laughs> idea. And, uh, but, yes, they would, they would have that on that. And they got the CBS and NBC affiliate. And then I, I guess they just gave up on ABC because you, you, they couldn't quite couldn't get quite, it to yeah. work. <laughs> but my aunt's favorite soap opera was on the NBC uh, station, her stories, as she stories. called them. <laughs> and the day would stop from... I think it was it was uh, what uh, days of our lives, which oh, I think is still on. Probably uh, so, yeah. And uh, the world would stop while she was, and she would all <laughs> was so funny. She would she would get disgusted with what's going on, and and she'd say, "Oh, you know, that's not a good idea. Why are you doing that?" You know, and my brother and I would look at her like, "Really." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now they just do that on Facebook. Yeah, it's pretty much right. It's yeah, it's a Facebook thing. And unfortunately, now. it's um, a, definitely a form of reality. Yes, oh, yes. My goodness. You were talking about um, all the turmoil going on at that time, and um, you know, I've I've thought about that a lot in because we are in 2020 in the throes of turmoil, turmoil, yeah. and um, and so I've thought categorically of these different things, but I've never heard it put back to back like that, the assassination attempts, the, the, uh, nuclear war stuff and civil rights stuff. And so, um, on the civil rights thing, because I think it's, this is what I'm most interested in. You know, we, we are, uh, living in the Oklahoma city area. And so, uh, I think we're a, a top 50 market ish. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but we're not, you know, we're not a, we're a small town in terms of a city. You know, you got that feel. Yeah, it has that feel. You know, in Oklahoma City recently was moved. Actually, the population of Oklahoma City moved up into the top twenty-five. Oh, wow! Of cities in in America, but nonetheless, it has that kind of the small town kind of feel to it. Right, and so in processing that, you know, we're seeing things going on, riots in these big cities, and. 
we're watching it. You know, it's a voyeuristic mindset. There's not a lot going on. We had some riots here, but it was didn't amount to much by comparison. Right. And so my question to you is, thinking about this, growing up in Morica, being a small town, because, I mean, what what was the population? A couple probably? thousand. Yeah. And, and those, yeah, right, right around 2,000. Yeah, and it's, and it's pretty, it's not like a small town that's a suburb of something else. I mean, it's just its own little thing. Right. Um, what was the civil rights environment like were you did you feel like it was at your doorstep or did you were you watching it from afar watching it from afar and we couldn't really understand i mean we had uh black families who lived in warica and you know they were for us growing up and and i had i had black uh classmates in school and hispanic classmates in school and they were just like anybody else. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, you know, we didn't, and maybe, and certainly in those days, I'm sure, you know, I was really naive and didn't right. maybe understand what Man, may have been going on. Isn't that the hope, though? Sure. A naive youngster. Right. Let's not mess with that. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. And, you know, I mean, everybody was friendly with with everybody. You know, there. I certainly didn't notice tensions within our school with within our small town mm-hmm. and so when these things started happening it was kind of it was kind of frightening because you weren't really sure what was going on and why all of this was happening and you know mom and dad would get you know concerned because you know you're watching and you're quite literally you know watching a city you know in places like Detroit and Los Angeles and and New York, which at that time, you know, they were all pretty foreign to a kid who's in Warwick, Oklahoma. And the longest trip, you know, we would ever take would either be summer vacation down to the Texas Gulf Coast or to to see my, uh, uh, you know, my grandmother on my dad's side in Des Moines, Iowa, Mm. you know, as far as we ever went. And you didn't see situations like that at either of those places. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it was a, it could be a, you know, a real kind of scary time for, uh, you know, for kids. And, and I remember, you know, before the, the riots of the late sixties that, you know, I mentioned the Cuban missile crisis. And at that time I didn't understand really, it was in 1962 and I would have been five, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could really understand about the Cuban missile crisis was this guy who I really couldn't understand, kept interrupting my TV shows. <laughs> it was John Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And he had that Boston accent. And I really couldn't, growing up in Warica, I couldn't figure out what. But I didn't like him very much because in my five-year-old mind, right. what he was saying, number one, he was interrupting a show that I was watching would come on. And whatever it was that he was saying seemed to really upset my parents mm. that, you know, mom and dad seemed really concerned, you know, and this was the Cuban Missile Crisis when, you know, a lot of the adults were thinking the world is about to end here. Right. And um, so that was, that you know, that was going on. And then I re- remember uh, when when JFK was assassinated, the, the thing that it really didn't hit me until... Uh, the funeral was on and I was basically the same age as, uh, Bobby? as, no, as or, uh, JFK Jack, Jr. Jr. Yeah. Yeah. You know, John, 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 John. And 
then I, then I understood it, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and seeing John, John, you know, that iconic photograph right. of him saluting his, and it still kind of chokes me sure, up. Sure, me bit. too. <laughs> because then I could relate it mm-hmm. to here's a kid basically my age and his father has just been murdered. Right. And, and he's, and, uh, you know, then it hit home to me. Mm-hmm. Then I could understand it. You know, you talk about that picture. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I remember, you know, I, I was a child of the 80s. My, I was born in 76, so my cognizant life was in the 80s. And I remember seeing that picture in a history book my grandparents had um, in their, on their coffee table or something. And it stuck out to me so much. And I, I did know um, that, that it was the son of the person... I didn't fully grasp, you know, president. Right. I mean, I knew the titles, but I didn't know what that meant. And uh, I, uh, yeah, it stuck with me my whole life. And and that's really the only context I ever remember it in. I, every time I think about it, I remember, you remember the carpet that was like sculpted carpet that had little, like my grandparents had that carpet. I'd sit on the carpet, read this book, and I would just look at these, and these pictures yeah. mostly. Yeah. But man, that was, was an amazing time. Yeah. And, you know, my parents were uh you know they had voted for JFK they were they were democrats you know kind of what you'd call yellow dog democrats mm. you know i'd rather vote for a danged old yellow dog than a republican <laughs> sure. uh but i you know i could also tell that it really affected my both my mom and my dad mm-hmm. uh, that he had been killed and then for bobby to be assassinated and for MLK to be assassinated both in 1968 and things that really also really affected my my uh, parents and uh, and it was you know you would see all this stuff happening and you know by that time you know I was 10 or 11 and but still to see your your some of this stuff on television and your parents literally with tears running down their cheeks you know because you're you're they certainly are wondering what in the world is going on here right and uh so you know 1968 was you know maybe a lot like what 2020 is now because Mm -hmm. you know all these things were were happening and they were and they were terrible and you were just wondering where we headed yeah you know what is going on and and even though you're somewhat insulated from it in a place like small town oklahoma you're still you're not because your parents are mm-hmm. you know are just uncontrollably crying seeing what this is going on and so that certainly has an, an impact on you well and you think about you know the the speed of the news cycle by comparison to today and I, you know I, I listen to a guy pretty regularly um, a podcast uh, Tim Pool and this guy um, he he comments on the news basically reads news articles comments on them gives his perspective and you know the news cycle is so quick and unfortunately the the headlines don't change and so he was just talking about how he completely missed the story because as he read it it's the same story and and this guy's been a journalist for many years so that was it was a big deal and I, I you know I think about in the day when you had two forms of the news you had the nightly news 
Right. And then you had the breaking news that's going to break in into your programs. And, mm-hmm. and today we have a constant flow of information. Yeah, and it wasn't like that. Obviously, it wasn't like that, you know, at all. Uh, you know, you had the, uh, the, the nightly news, you know, and in those days it was Walter Cronkite on CBS and Huntley Brinkley on uh, NBC and uh, Howard K. Smith on ABC, and a little bit of a variation depending upon, you know, what year. Um, and that's where most of America, you know, got, you know, the ratings and the audiences for those shows were huge because mm. they came on w- once right. for half an hour, and that was pretty much it. And you would have, uh, you know, some of the morning shows were starting up in, in those days, and but they, they weren't what they are today. Social media, of course, didn't exist. Social media in those days was, you know, the, uh, the party line uh, telephone. telephone. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, if you... And, and we had you a, need we, to explain a party yeah, line. Yeah, I was just going to say. Is, we, this you, is crazy. There, there are people who are listening that are not even going to believe this was ever a thing. Yes. And in fact, you know, when you hear party line, they're thinking, oh, you're out there drinking. Exactly. And, right, you know, no. And if you've ever watched the Andy Griffith show, mm-hmm. uh, it's very similar to that. You know, they had a, you know, you'd pick up the phone and, and you'd kind of, you know, uh, Sarah. Get me, uh, get me Barney down at the, uh, you know, well, it was the same thing. You know, everybody shared a tele, well, not everybody, but certain people shared telephone lines. You, you know, it was difficult sometimes to have a private conversation. You'd pick up the phone and maybe you would hear somebody would already be on your line. And, you know, sometimes you recognize them, sometimes you didn't, yeah. you know, and you'd be like, hey, Betty, I need to call so-and-so, can you hang up? So I, and then you try to get the operator and, you know, they'd hook you into who you needed to go to. And we had that for just a couple of years. And then, and then things progressed to where we had our own actual private line, especially there in, in town. Yeah. And, but it continued for quite a while with people out in the, out in the country, mm-hmm. you know, you'd have a, you know, a phone line that was a main phone line and then it would branch off to the homes or farms, ranches out in the country. And they had that for still quite a while. Yeah, my, my wife's uh, grandmother was, uh, she lived in Wardville, uh, or as she would say, at Wardville. And uh, <laughs> she remembers growing up her, that party line that was there at that house. And she's my age, you know, 40, almost 44. So Yeah, so that depending upon where you were, uh, that, you know, lasted for you know, for, for quite a while. And it was a whole different and, you know, and then you'd get, you know, mom would all, always, uh, you know, she would call somebody and long, you know, today we have, we all have our cell phones and you have your whatever plan, mm-hmm. you know, and basically your bill is the same every, every month. Well, in those days it wasn't. Right. And so, you know, every time you make a long distance call, you know, you're kind of thinking about, okay, well, uh, you know, this is going to cost me 30 cents or whatever. Right. I need to keep this brief because 30 cents was <clears throat> worth a lot more in those days than what it is now. Man, that's for sure. And so you had your long distance calls and uh, the bill would come and sometimes it was this and sometimes it was that and you'd try to sometimes keep things brief, you know, just want to call and check in and, and see how things were. It was, it's, uh, you know, we, they, the progress that we've made from the time I was a kid to where we are now, I, I think is mostly technological right. with what we have. Because when I was a kid growing up, 
I would have, I would have bet anything that by 2020, you know, we would be Star Trek and all over the place. Absolutely. You know, that, that we'd be in other galaxies. We would be living on the moon. Well, we are, we are, it's just not public knowledge. Well, (laughs) although I, you know, that more of that may be coming out here, at least as we record this, I'm hearing some interesting things about UFOs and, but in those days, you know, we, we would have thought, you know, everybody would have a flying car. Right. And, and you know, that's not really... Uh, and I never would have thought that when I watched in 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin take the walk on the moon, I never would have thought that by now we wouldn't have had a... Yes, a Mm -hmm. major colony on the moon and Mars and and all like that because it was such a it was such a deal in those days. I remember why I remember watching that and I remember all those space shots and things going on. It was it kind of was at a time coming in 1969 after 1968 had been so horrific, right? And to finally have something that everybody in the country and the world, quite frankly could kind of, you know, all come together with and just be so excited about seeing this happen. Yeah, man. And that's, it's funny, again, growing up in the 80s, um, I remember uh, the Summer of 69 song, you know, and and it felt like everything revolved around 1969. You just heard that all the time. And it was, uh, is it July or June, July 21st? 1969 uh, in the yeah it was in July yeah July of yeah. 69 when they when they landed on the when they landed on the moon you know the only reason I didn't learn that date and I could be off it by a day or two but I didn't learn that date because of history in school I learned it from watching Independence Day and the opening scene of this big spaceship rattling that plate that was left on the moon <laughs> and I'm like oh because Collins was he in the orbiter Michael Collins, yes, yeah. yes, he was up in the uh, um, in the Apollo ship that was orbiting the moon. Wouldn't, and you, then, wouldn't uh, that the be the eagle, most frustrating the lunar thing? Lander, you know, was was down on the on the surface, you, and you know, and just and think about, you know, the courage that those guys had. Oh my gosh! Especially Buzz and Neil, because they knew. Uh, nobody's ever done this before. Right. They, <laughs> and it's one thing to be able to, to land, which was difficult enough, and then to, you know, do what they needed to do, and then a few days later, again, something that has, it's been tested, but it's never, they've never done it in real life. Hit the start button on that engine. Right. And if it, didn't start you're spending what short time you have left on the surface of the moon yeah and uh of course it it did and it came back and and then we had the you know the apollo 13 situation where they almost didn't come back but they did and you think about that today and you know we all have our cell phones that there's more computing in fact now radically more <laughs> radically more computing power in the cell phones that people have than what those guys had 
in the Apollo and the lunar module. And right. when you think about that, it's just, it just blows your mind. Well, and as it, to it how even, all that happened. Yeah, it speaks to even your point about why, where are we? I mean, right. if we have all of that, yet, where are we? We're, we're still just living life here on Earth. And maybe, you know, here's the thing. And this is just a positional thought process here. But, um, you know, maybe that's why there's such tension. You know, we, we have done nothing but explore. I remember growing up in school, and the number of people on the planet were 6 billion. Or, is it 6 billion? Yeah. When I was in high school, it was 6 billion. So it took all of existence of mankind, all the time, to get to 6 billion. But it only took another, however many years, airplane going over, I love that. Um, it only took another 25 years to add 2 billion to that number. That's, that blows my mind. Well, you know, we, you know, we were, before we were rolling tape here, you know, you were talking about things happening exponentially. Right. And you get to, <clears throat> you know, a certain number and things are going to start multiplying ex- exponentially right. and you also have had some you know some uh forward progress in uh medicine and and things of that nature so you know people are going to live longer and so you're going to have you're going to have more but i you know you still you look at some of the things that you, you know in 1969 you were able to put people on the moon get them there land them do research bring them back and yet we still have not managed how to get along with each other Man. on the surface of this planet. Right. And you're thinking, we were able to get some of that accomplished in the 60s. Yeah. And we weren't getting along of, with each other very well in the 60s exactly, either. Exactly, exactly. For some of those things that have happened and some of the other things that have, the progress that we've made... Mm-hmm that we can't seem to get along with each other is something else that kind of blows your mind. Right. Well, and I think, you know, you look at what Elon Musk has been doing in in the space world. He's obviously <clears throat> been privately blazing a, a path. And I'm just convinced the reason it worked in the 60s is because there was a huge number of people that said, you know what, let's just let's just get out of here. <laughs> let's just, let's just leave. This is this isn't working. We just need to pick another planet. And and I'm not so sure that Elon Musk isn't thinking the same thing. He may, <laughs> he may. And and I think you know also a lot, a lot of that had to do with uh, with um, with JFK. Yeah, and His laying the gauntlet down. Yes, lay, laying the gauntlet down <clears throat> that that he wanted to have men on the moon by the end of the decade. And then I think when. When he was assassinated, uh, that gave extra impetus, I, th- I think, to people in, in government, you know, to where, you know, this was something that President Kennedy really wanted to have happen. And so let's, let's see if we can't get that accomplished. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so that covers your childhood. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, it's I, yeah, to a certain extent. I actually, we, me and some of my friends, we actually, we actually made a movie when I was in the seventh grade. You're kidding. I wrote the script. It was called Prisoners of Time. Wow. Uh, And it was about space travelers. And, uh, and then we had a, uh, a, a, one of my classmates had a, had a pretty high tech movie camera for those days. 
And uh, then we had, uh, you know, some of my other friends were all excited about it. The girls in the class, you know, they weren't as fired up about it. Yeah. And so we had trouble casting. But the only, really the main scene that we shot before, I don't know, it was time to do math homework, um, <laughs> was a, a fight scene and we filmed it down on the uh, creek that ran through Warwick. And it was awesome. Oh, cool. It, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's guys and we're doing fake fight scenes and stuff like this and getting it all it was one of the most fun, fun things we, uh, you know, we ever did. Seventh uh, grade hmm. in uh, in Warica. My goodness, that is that is. There's there's so many times I process even when I was a kid. Just man, life was simpler, and, and you kind of wonder, you know, to your point about how your parents were affected with the JFK stuff. You wonder how much was life really great because you were insulated versus it just actually being better. Well, you know, yeah, you wonder about that because, you know, kids today are subjected to social media and a lot of them are on their phones at a pretty young age and you're seeing things that arguably you shouldn't see sure. and hearing things that you shouldn't hear. And in those days, uh, you know, we didn't have any of that, didn't have social media and and television wasn't what it is now. And so we spent a lot of our time as kids making our own fun. You know, you right. were outside constantly, especially in a small town like Warica. You didn't have to worry about really some of the issues that you might have to worry about in big cities, uh, traffic being uh, one of them. Right. You know, that you could get on your bike and you could ride, you know, all over town without really worrying too much. And, and you could play various games like me and a couple of my other buddies in the neighborhood. We would pretend our bikes were jet airplanes, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we were or you know, something else. And, and we'd have, um, it was all your, your imagination was everything. You know, you would create these games, you and your friends would create these games just using your mind and, 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 and try to go forward like that. And, and, you know, you just, it was great growing up. And the other great thing about growing up in Morica, we had an ice house. And in those days in the sixties, some people, you know, you nowadays, everybody calls, where you store your food, a refrigerator. Well, we at my house actually had a refrigerator. There were some other people, though, that, you know, in the old word for a refrigerator, people called them ice, an icebox. Well, that was because that some people literally had an icebox. You mm. would get a big chunk. You would go down to the ice house and get a big chunk, a block of ice, might weigh five pounds or whatever, and you would put it in hmm. what would now be a your freezer, and then that would chill the rest of the box. So you could put in your milk or butter and and things like that. But at the ice house in Warwick, the other thing that they had soda pop, mm. and you could go down there. And the ice house was right across the street from the depot where my dad worked. And when he was on the four to midnight shift. My brother and I would go over there because my mom in those days was working at the hospital until about 5 or 5.30. We'd go to the depot and hang out with Dad, which was awesome, <laughs> best ever. I can imagine. And uh, the ice house was right across the street. He'd give us each a nickel, and we could go over there, and I would get a Dr. Pepper, and my brother usually got Mountain Dew. Hmm. And the Dr. Pepper was the old, you know, the made with 
real cane sugar from down in Dublin, Texas. Hmm. And because they kept it in the ice house, it was almost frozen. Hmm. You know, it was one of those things where it had chunks of some ice in it. And on a, on a hot summer day, especially, there was nothing better yeah. than sitting on the steps at the depot drinking an ice, ice cold Dr. Pepper, Man. and then the train would come in or something, and occasionally we could, you know, they would let us, we, you know, we could get up in the cab of the thing, you know, and cool. and it was, it was, yeah, it was great. You know, the summers as a kid, I think, is uh, the adult form. It was like a, a tryout of retirement. <laughs> you just, you know, I mean, you, yeah. you're just, you got nothing to do except enjoy the day, and then, right. you know. Right. I look forward to that day. <laughs> All right. Let's switch gears a little bit, a very little bit, because it's still all about you, my man. <laughs> tell me. It's been pretty boring so far. Talk about growing know, up in a small man. town. <laughs> I tell you what, it's interesting to me. And you know what? I think other people will find it uh, intriguing. Um, this is a segment I like to call, Here Are a Few of My Favorite Things. <laughs> uh, these are segments I'm making up today. Okay. So I don't even know. So tell me, tell me some of your favorite things. Well, you know, these days, uh, some of my favorite things are, you know, just seeing what my kids are up to, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they're great. One of them is uh, going to be getting married here in the not Congratulations. too distant future. And uh, so that's exciting. Uh, but, you know, seeing what they are, some of my other, you know, that kind of revolves around, you know, what the kids are doing. I mean, that is a big focus but some of my other favorite things, I still like a very cold Dr. Pepper. <laughs> uh, and I like listening to good music with good lyrics. Mm. You know, the last time I was over here at your house, I was talking about some of the great lyrics that have been written. You know, that John Denver song, that mm-hmm. Rocky Mountain High, that starts off with what I consider to be one of the great opening lines ever uh, with um, where he sings... He was born in the summer of his 27th year, Mm. coming home to a place he'd never been before. (laughs) And when you hear that the first time, you're thinking, okay, how high was he when he wrote this? (laughs) But About 12,000 feet. About 12, right. And the first time, really, that I went to the Rocky Mountains and, or, or, Whenever you go someplace that you just you just feel like oh wow this is this is kind of it you understand a little better you know that lyric mm-hmm. uh, and so I I really enjoy that and just relationships that I still have with people that some I've known forever some I'm just getting to uh, I'm just getting to know but those are all some of my some of my favorite things and. Uh, Baseball. I'm still a huge baseball fan. I'm finally. I'm so happy that they're finally gonna, you know, they're gonna play baseball a, yeah. again. There's just something about that. Whether you're watching it on television or for me, you know, growing up, listening to games on the radio, I still like to listen to games, and that's one thing, you know, that's so great about cell phones and the way we have technology now. I can listen. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to 
pay a little bit of money to get the MLB app, but I can listen to any baseball game anywhere in the country on the radio mm. and to, to be able to go out on a nice summer evening listen to the radio and have whether it's a cold dr pepper or maybe another uh, type of beverage uh <laughs> is another one of my favorite things yeah that's a good segue into the one of the things i want to talk about because i've known you as a broadcaster uh for me it's as long as we've known each other and and i know your career started way before we met um so so two things one did you do anything before broadcasting that was significant but other than that How'd you get into broadcasting? What drove you that? Well, it's just something that I, I, I guess, you know, growing up when I did, uh, I just thought it would be something fascinating to do. And I kind of knew at an early age what I wanted to get into, whether it was news or sports or weather. I was, I've always been a big weather geek. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, when I was in the second grade, we had a show and tell assignment. And what I decided to do was the weather. And I had my dad, in those days, you could go to the grocery store and get a box. And if you were lucky enough, and and sometimes, you know, and at this particular time, I was lucky enough, just a blank cardboard box. Hmm. Didn't really have, didn't have any writing on the outside of it. My dad was a pretty good artist, and uh, we watched in those days uh, a you know one of the television stations that we usually watched the weather on. They had a a rotating box that had the weather maps on it, a map of the United States, a map of Oklahoma and Texas, and a map of the viewing area hmm. and then your forecast board and my dad was he he was very good-hearted to do this i had him draw all of that <laughs> i had him draw the united states texas oklahoma the viewing area right and the forecast and it was going to be uh that afternoon and he got it all fixed up, and it was going to be, we were going to present it that afternoon. And so I watched the noon weather and drew on my stuff, on my maps, where the fronts were and all like this. And so the last hour of uh, my second grade class went up and did the weather. <laughs> and much to my chagrin, <laughs> uh, the teacher was so impressed, she made me go to all of the classes. Oh, my goodness around grade school to present the weather. So I had to ask one of my best pals to go with me because I wasn't going to go to the fifth and sixth grade class by myself <laughs> to do, you know. And um, so we did, we, we did that, and I thought it was, you know, I thought it was great. I had a lot of fun doing that. And so that's kind of what started, and, and then... Um, I uh, was involved in some stuff in high school and then went to OSU. I remember in those days, a lot of where, where we grew up, uh, there were a lot of uh, University of Oklahoma 
fans. And mm-hmm. I was at the time, just because, I mean, you know, everybody else was. And you could see OU on TV sometimes as many as twice uh, a year, as often as twice a year. <laughs> wow. You never could see OSU on, on uh, television. Obviously, things are much different now with sure. with how things are on, on cable. And uh, so I was I was going to go to either OU or OSU, mm-hmm. and I'd been accepted to both. And I'd never been, we, you know, we'd never, I'd never been to Norman, and I'd never been to Stillwater. And so I decided to go visit both places. I went to Norman, and I was just thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to go to Norman. I mean, I'm, I'm an OU guy. Yeah. And I went to Norman, and... As luck would have it, it was a cloudy, dreary, drizzly day. Mm. I got up there and I went around campus and, you know, not a whole lot of things look good on a cloudy, dreary, drizzly day. <laughs> and nobody said anything and I'm trying to wander around and go to place, you know, people had their heads down and because, I mean, you know, it was raining. Sure. The next weekend I was like, Jesus is not quite what I thought it was going to be. Well, the next weekend I went to Stillwater and again, as luck would have it, it was a perfect weekend, bright time, temperatures, mid seventies, you know, everywhere I walked, you know, there were people would say, hi, Hey, how are you? What are you doing? Met some people, and I had I had friends that were going to go to OU, and I had friends that were going to go to OSU. So I already had, you know, some relate. But, you know, as that was happening, I was like, oh, geez, this seems like this is the place for me. I mean, everybody's friendly. And Stillwater in those days, as, as it is now, a smaller place than what Norman was. It was more like what I was used to growing up. And mm-hmm. I just fell in love with the place. And so I went to OSU, and, I, you know, I just had... Uh, great experiences there and got involved in the, uh, you know, my major was radio, TV, film, uh, got into, you know, did a lot of things on the radio side. You know, one year I was the sports director at the, at the campus radio station and mm-hmm. then got involved in the station downtown and did, you know, sports and some talk shows and things like that. They let me do, you know, pretty much whatever I wanted to do. And uh, so I did high school football and basketball and baseball, was able to do some OSU baseball uh, games. Rex Holt, who is still a dear friend of mine, uh, Rex and I, and and still, and Rex is the voice of of OSU baseball to this day, Hmm. coming up on 40 years now, I I guess it is. And Rex and I worked together doing Stillwater Pioneer football and basketball and had wonderful times, met David Garrett, who's you know, still here in the Oklahoma City uh, market. Dave was our sideline guy for one season. And then and, uh, and then I wanted to get into television, and I was offered a job at Channel 7 in Lawton, actually, before I graduated from OSU. <clears throat> and I kind of was, you know, I it was at a situation where, geez, you know, I mean, mom, of course, wanted me to get my degree, you know, from OSU. And... And dad was, was kind of like, well, you know, how often does this opportunity? And it was a station that I watched as a kid, you yeah. know, growing up outside there. And so ultimately I decided to take the job and it was, a, I was, would be doing some reporting and then also anchoring. I was the sports anchor on the weekends mm. at Channel 7 
in in uh, Wichita Falls and in, in uh, Lawton. And in, the, in those days, this was 1980. Wow. Uh, I was doing sports, and the weekend weather guy was Danny Threlkeld, who worked at went on to work at Channel Four for many years, and is now the chief meteorologist at Channel Two in Tulsa. Our news anchor on the weekends in those days was a guy named Kevin Ogle, who many people probably recognize the name. Kevin is the main anchor at Channel 4. Uh, The weekend sports guy uh, at Channel 6 in Wichita Falls, the CBS affiliate, was a guy named Bob Barry Jr. The sports anchor at the NBC affiliate in Wichita Falls in those days was a guy named Dick Pryor. And uh, all ended up, we all ended up coming up here to, to Oklahoma City. And uh, so it was just one of those things where it was just, that was something that I had just, I just always had wanted to do. Mm-hmm. was, you know, TV, radio, or, or meteorology. And I'm still a weather geek, but I didn't go to school for meteorology because I discovered that you had to learn things like calculus and <laughs> stuff, not just clouds and, you know, things of things of that nature. Right. Man, that's awesome. I know that you were, um, you work with Gary England some, yeah? Yeah. And so I tell, I kind of tell people that I have a minor in meteorology because I worked with Gary you? England for so long and went out storm chasing and... And we had, you know, that was a great time because I started there in the, in the uh, early 80s. And so things were just starting to happen. And uh, they had, and, and Gary, a true pioneer of, of weather and especially television weather. He helped create the Doppler radar. Right. The first helicopter live shot of a tornado was Channel 9 in Oklahoma City, and that had happened just before I came up. And then, you know, we were experimenting at Channel 9 with cell phone video. Hmm. You know, cell phones had really just kind of come out, and we had those big, the box. Big ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the news anchor in those days was a guy named Roger Cooper, and Roger was really... He was a, a techie uh, in, in those days, and he could do a lot of stuff with computers. And he helped, along with our engineering staff and Gary, helped figure out a way to put cell phone video hmm. on television. And, uh, and, and we had, uh, so he kind of, we kind of pioneered that. And it was, and in those days, you know, you would take a, really, it, it was putting together pictures and, and you would have a shot and then a few seconds later the shot would change and then it would change again. Yeah. It was kind of like really how they, how television and, and cartoons kind of came about, you know, kind of that same way. I think, you know, I'd, you would see the, you know, a cartoonist would draw something on a sheet of paper and then would draw something else on another sheet and another sheet. And then you'd fan the, the yes, you yeah. flip the book, flip the pages, and there was the motion, mm-hmm. kind of that same principle. But being involved in, in that and going out, and because Gary was so good about it, he just had, 
you know, it's kind of like if you remember the the movie Twister and the um, the 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 character uh, in that who kind of had the um, the sixth sense almost uh, about uh, you know he was the the lead uh, character Bill Paxton Bill character. Paxton's character yes who kind of had almost a sixth sense of you could just kind of look at it and kind of see, well, that's what Gary's like. Yeah. And, and he would, you know, we would go in and these were the early days and we'd go into the weather office and he, you know, he was the pioneer of sending crews out to chase storms. Well, in those days, not everybody was fired up <laughs> about going out, to a lonely hilltop west of Clinton right. and seeing what would happen, or some cases not. Well, me, because I was a weather geek from the time I was a kid, you know, I, I'm i thinking, well, this is a heck of a lot more fun than city council right. <laughs> or going to the state capitol or whatever. So I was always one that would volunteer for this, and we had a couple of news photographers who were also kind of weather geeks, they would be into it also. And Gary, you know, knowing that, well, you know, you'd much rather have somebody who was really interested because they're going to generally do a better job than somebody who was out there going, I don't even know what they're looking for. And this is, I've got stuff to do. (laughs) So we did a lot of that in, in those days. You'd go into the weather office and, and Gary would have, and these were, you know, before a lot of the computer-generated maps. Now, Gary would, he'd get all the information and then would draw everything out himself on the maps. And, you know, he'd say, it looks like here's what we're thinking and we're going to have, this is going to be here and that's going to be there. So you guys need to be out. This is where it's going to go. And he said, now, you know, when you get out there, there's not going to be anything. You know, it's going to be clear skies. And for a while, you're going to be wondering what the heck, you know, what are you, the heck are you doing? It? But trust me, when we get to a certain point in the afternoon, the temperature gets here and the humidity gets here, it's going to happen. And it's going to be right out there where you are. Wow. And of course, at the time, I was thinking, that is so cool. Yeah. And you're also thinking, how the heck does he know this? <laughs> and sure enough, I mean, once in a while, it, it didn't because something didn't come together. But more often than not, the exact place where he sent us, and you're looking and you're going, mm, no, no. <laughs> and you're on the phone back and forth. And then all of a sudden, one tower would start and then another one, and then it would just explode. Wow. And all of a sudden, you could literally see them, much like, you know, today when you're out there and it, because certain things have to happen in the atmosphere. And once you get to that point, things go nuts. And especially if you're, you know, you hear the weather guys talk about sometimes the atmosphere is capped right. with a warm layer up above the surface, but it's just like, and this is how Gary explained it to us, it's just like if you put a pot of water on the stove and you put a lid on the pot, you turn the heat on the stove, mm-hmm. and pretty soon, you know, the water starts to boil. But because of the lid is on the pot, nothing is really happening mm-hmm. but as soon as the cap like the the surface temperature goes above what the temperature is 
up in that middle layer of the atmosphere. It's just like you lift the lid off the pot. And what happens when you lift the lid off a pot of boiling water? Well, the steam just explodes up out of there. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the thunderstorms. Once that, that heat, and then if you have you know, something, a, a front or a trough coming in, to, sometimes it needs a little extra shove, and, and that's what happens there, and it pushes that up breaks the cap and then everything just explodes and it goes from there. And I know I'm kind of getting off in the weeds here, but like I said, I'm a weather, <laughs> You're a weather geek. geek. That's it. And that, that's what happens that it's just fascinating to watch this, to watch this happen and to be on the front lines of some of that in the day when really for a lot of it, it was us from channel nine and the researchers from OU. We, and the occasional sheriff's deputy, that was it. Well, you know, today, now there's right. a whole bunch of people independent out. Independent chasers. Out, independent chasers, right. Yeah. Independent chasers, and they're out there, and you have, because in those days, we didn't have necessarily a, a traffic jam on a county road from Clinton up to Tologa. Yeah. But you do now, and, it, and at times, <laughs> as we've seen, it can become a very dangerous situation where guys can get caught in a traffic situation and in areas that you don't you know that you don't want to get caught but yeah that was that was a blast that's awesome so we are uh we're going to run out of time here in a minute and i want to cover a few more things and we're i'm sorry i'm just blathering no it's a fantastic thing we'll just do it again okay (laughs) i mean bottom line um the uh one of the things i want to ask you about getting getting into you a little bit um what are some impactful moments that's happened over your life, good or bad? Well, I, I mean, you know, to to begin with, some of what we were talking about in the early in the uh, '60s, and uh, then, of course, uh, uh, you know, some of the good things, getting married and having kids, and and raising them, and just seeing life through their eyes, you know, when they were little, and everything was special, and and now that they're older, you know, just seeing what and how proud I am of the great people that they've become Mm -hmm. and you know the probably you know one of the things that I regret most is that um uh getting a divorce and you know going through that um and there you know there's time you know you'll always like to be the best person that you can be but sometimes you're not sure And, and things happen. And fortunately for me, my ex-wife is a wonderful person. Not that she couldn't be trouble uh, (laughs) at certain times, but uh, we've maintained a a really good, we have a better relationship now than probably what we ever had. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always been there for every big moment and a lot of the not so big moments in my kids' lives. I've always been at the house for uh, Christmas and birthdays, and go out there a lot to just for other things. To and uh, so, but not being able to ha- have that work out the marriage is probably my biggest regret personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just fortunate that because not everybody is in the situation where they can maintain close contact and good contact with their ex, whether it's your ex-wife or your ex-husband, 
and not everybody is able to have great relationships with their children. You know, yeah. my only disappointment, quite frankly, is that both of them uh, went to school at OU. But uh, <laughs> being an OSU guy, and their mom's a, an OSU girl, and uh, my son is into, he's getting his, he's has a master's degree in uh, uh, petroleum engineering, geology, and all like this. And as much as I hate to admit it, OU does have one of the best schools in the country. My daughters went down there mostly because her brother, uh, <laughs> my ex-wife and I, we took her to Stillwater many times. Yeah. Said, oh, don't you think this would be fun? I mean, don't you think? No, not really. <laughs> and so, uh, but, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're great. And I have great friendships and with people that I've known, you know, ever since a kid growing up and, um, and great relationships with with other people, and I think that's important. Although one thing that that I, for whatever reason, sometimes have a problem with is I, and you can probably attest to this as much as anyone. I don't stay in touch with people as much as I should. Yeah, I'm uh, in the same boat. And and I have, you know, some you know that i i see pretty frequently and some i don't some i text or call pretty frequently and some i don't it doesn't necessarily mean that i don't love that person it's just whatever i mean you know it life happens life happens yeah life happens and uh and i'm just i'm glad you know you know we hadn't talked in a, in a while and you know the last time i was over here we sat over there on the sofa and spoke for about four hours right right <laughs> and kind of like what we're doing here i mean it was some of the some of the same stuff but i regret also that you know not being able to uh maybe maintain some of those relationships and there's you know others that i haven't that's one thing i do kind of like about facebook although it gets way off the rails at times <laughs> But just being able to see something from somebody that I've known for 30 years or somebody that I used to work with 20 years ago or something like that, what's happening in their lives. And I'll, you know, send them a note or, you know, whatever and that kind of stuff. Being able to maintain some of those contacts, people who moved away mm -hmm. uh, that you can stay in touch uh, with. But I kind of regret that I haven't maintained even closer contact with with people, I yeah. suppose. Well, one thing I appreciate about our relationship too is, you know, there's people where that, you know, they talk about picking up where you left off and that's and kind of the way it is with us. Exactly. I think, you know, when you, you, we may not talk for six months and when, when we call, it's like, Hey, what's up? It's like, we talked yesterday, right? You know? And I, I personally value that in all my relationships when that's the case. Um, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're, we're just over an hour. So I want to, I want to wrap up with this last question. And uh, I guess what I would want to say or ask you is if you were able to get a message out to the whole world, say one thing or one, one carry one uh, theme, one message, what would you say? Well, I think especially now, come on, let's all find a way to get along. And I know that sounds like, it ought to be really easy. And obviously it's not because people on this earth have not gotten along 
ever. Right. I mean, going back to the beginning of time, uh, there were, well, uh, you, you, you look at Cain and Abel. Right. I guess it's kind of where it started. And we've never seemed like we've ever found a way to where somewhere somebody's hating somebody else. And I just wish that, that we could find that because it is tearing us apart. Right now we're seeing it tear this country apart. And we've gone through these, the throes of this at various times over the years, where sometimes where it has been convulsive and other times it's maybe been reduced to a, a ripple, but it's always been there. Yeah. And I, I wish that we could find a way to stop that mm-hmm. uh, be, because it does no one any good. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, what, part of me says, surely we can do that. And another part of me says, well, you know, if we haven't figured it out, in thousands and thousands of years, we're probably not gonna. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree with the sentiment. We just need to come on <laughs> right. and get our stuff together. Just, you know, just like, come on, really? Right. Really? Well, what are you doing? And I, and I think a big part of that, man, honestly, is um, we, we have choices of, as human beings we make every day. Sure. And, and we choose to be uh, light in this world, or we choose to, to or I say, we'll say this, we choose to move towards light or move towards darkness. Darkness generally is self-serving, and lightness is serving others. And, you know, there's a lot of factors that play into a person's decision in that. Um, but most of the time, I think that, uh, you know, when we look at how, there, there's, there's incentive for people who are in control at, at every level there's incentive for them to maintain control. And um, I would argue that, you know, obviously you and I could have total differences of opinion on everything and still get along. Right. Because we can appreciate those differences. Right. It's the same reason why opposites attract. It's the same reason why I married my wife. She's nothing like me. Thank God. (laughs) But that's the thing is that, uh, when it's just left up to her and I, we can appreciate each other. When it is, when there's a third person who has a motivation, a reason for us to not get along, well, it's not hard at all to drive a wedge. Right. And that's what I see in this world today is there's a lot of people who have good motivation to keep division. Um, and here's the thing I want to tell everybody listening. Um, this was, you know, the intent of my conversation series. I literally like to just sit down and talk to people and find out who they are, you know. And some people I visit with, I'm, I'm, I learned a lot about you today that I didn't know. I knew in general terms, but um, other people I'll, I'll sit down with, I know nothing. Some I know lots of stuff about. But, but the the idea is. Um, these differences, the things that make us unique and understanding a person's individual personal experience is how we get to know each other and relate to each other and understand where we're coming from. And so for the listeners, um, we, uh, Randy and I've been talking, we, I'd like to get him on part of the stream grace network as, as conversations is doing a regular podcast. And I know that, uh, we didn't even touch 
on the subjects that I think that you're going to want to talk about. <laughs> and, and I'm excited about them because they are some of my favorite things, talking about life on other planets. Um, yes, the, life, on, uh, life on other planets. We and, might just uh, have to... Here's what I think is going to happen as we record this on July 25th. Um, I think we're going to have a break for lunch and come back and record a different podcast. <laughs> okay. I'd be, I'd be up for that. We'll see how that Especially unfolds. with, with what's in the news, you know, right now, as we record this on, on uh, today, you know, the Pentagon uh, maybe is going to release some information and there's reports out there about certain things that you're thinking, Oh, I knew that all along. <laughs> I just knew it. This is, this is what makes it exciting. <laughs> Randy, man, thank you for being a part of this today. I you really bet, appreciate it. And uh, guys, thank you all for joining us. And uh, if you enjoy this podcast, there's a couple things I'll tell you about. One, if you enjoy podcasts like these, you can go to StreamGrace.com and find lots of other stuff. Most of our content at StreamGrace is uh, built around developing you and growing you at a spiritual level. Uh, it's not specific to denominations or, or belief systems like that necessarily, but it is to uh, help you tap in to maybe this dormant area that a lot of us have. And, uh, and then the other stuff is there. It's just a positive space. It's a place for you to get community and communicate with one another as well. God bless you guys. Have a great, uh, a great rest of your life. Find more episodes at streamgrace.com. Find podcasts like these at streamgrace.com. Just a